You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. All right, we want to welcome everyone to the latest edition of the Superhero Education Podcast. As always, we got another, just another banging show. Just like every show just gets better and better. And uh, um, I can't wait to hop into this one. Uh, my name is Eugene P., uh, one half of the Superhero Education Podcast crew. Other side of the board, we got Stevie. Steve, what's up, man? All right, I'm doing well. Good to be part of Superhero Education Podcast again. I'm excited for this show. Very important topic. Very important. All right, Steve, I'm going to let you uh, do the pleasantries. Sure. So we have Justin Roby with us for our podcast. Justin, in a little bit, will talk about himself, but I want to talk to, about Justin before we begin. Justin Roby knew him as a college student. Knew him as somebody that had lots of energy, someone that wanted to learn, someone that was a leader and just was not bashful about getting the answers, getting the truth out and moving along in education for what's right, what's just, what we need for our students. And that's what I always appreciated uh, Justin for. And what was great was Justin would resonate a crowd around him wherever and he was a natural leader. So when Justin would speak, about a topic, he was passionate, lots of energy, and then students would naturally be attracted to that. And that's continued into his professional life and career. And Justin, we welcome you. We're glad you're here with us. Why don't you give us a little background of who Justin Roby is? Absolutely. So uh, back when uh, Dr. Hunter knew me, uh, I was a freshman. So that was about 2009. Oh. Wow, it's got some time on us. All right. So uh, I was at Concordia, but I was also working for the Boys and Girls Clubs. So I was already passionate about kids and youth development. Um, so I was always being able to take those uh, transferable skills right back to work um, and apply them to uh, like some of the work that I was doing. So it was always fun to be a college student um, working for the Boys and Girls Clubs. So it was really a blessing. Um, after I got my degree, I stayed with the organization um, for a total of 12 years. Um, so it was very beautiful to be able to grow. Um, oversee several programs, all boys programs. Um, I think um, the actual at the actual time where I bought the book, um, the superhero educators book, uh, I was at Hill the Hood with a group of my young men who I was training in career development. Um, so it's, it just it was like a whole world circle moments. I was like, hey, I get to talk to y'all about somebody in my life. They wrote a book, like yay, you know. And they all look at me like, okay, um, they all like, so who cares who reads? I'm like, well, I read, and it's just like whatever. We'll talk about it. Um, and it was really just a, it's it's beautiful. So um, love that I'm able to come back and and, and drop some golden nuggets um, off the knowledge that I have currently serving for diverse and resilient over on um, Milwaukee's East Side. It's the LGBTQ community health organization. Um, so we talk about health equity and safety um, for the LGBTQ community, particularly our BIPOC community. Um, and we'll kind of address some of those. I know I dropped a bunch of acronyms and all those things, but I'm certain we'll get into it. Thank you, Justin. I, I And that's where you can bring that experience that I, I believe 
we have out there lots of students underrepresented, we call them marginalized, maybe underrepresented. And doing the work you are, I, I'm very curious because you're able to see the education side and then also the community side and you're right on the front lines. So let, let's go right into it. What, what should schools be doing? Here's the big question right out, right out of the chute right away. What, what can teachers be doing? What should schools be doing when we talk about the LGBTQ community? Uh, how can we help all students? Well, I, I think first things first is address that you're nervous about it. Because um, we all are. Um, it's, it's a hard topic. You have complex systems that have that needs to be addressed, right? There's always a bathroom issue, which is an issue of safety mm -hmm. on both ends, uh, which was an understandable thing to be concerned about. Um, and no one knows the exact right answer, right? So it's always, it's a touchy sub subject, right? But then you also have to think about the level of knowledge that these kids already have, right? They come through the door figuring a lot of things out because you can Google the answer, right? There's Facebook group, there's support groups. There are people who are able to guide them through that process. There's resources that are already out there. Um, I think right now it's important for schools and systems to be trying to look out to resources. So like here in the state of Wisconsin, Diverse and Resilience is a statewide org that offers that resource. We come in and do that training. We do what we call LGBT one-on-one -on -one, um, and it gives us the basics. Even if it's just understanding the acronym and understanding some of um, the difference between genders, between sexualities um, and how they present themselves, um, going past the binaries, um, like using inclusive language. Like if you could see my Zoom name, I make sure when I log in to always use he, him, his after my name. That's a way of making space for people of trans experience, right? Because um, oftentimes people present one way, but they might identify as another. So just something as simple and subtle as me just saying that I'm Justin Roby and my pronouns are he, him, his, makes that space. Not being a person of trans experience. I'm a cisgender man. Um, I do that. They just let a person of trans experience know that I'm an ally and that it's okay to have that conversation if they so choose. If they don't, I'm okay with that. Um, so just making that space. Yeah, thank you, Justin. I'm going to jump in and then have Eugene at the next question. But just following up with that, what do you, how do you respond to or what should be the response when people go, that's nice, Justin, I, I see that, that you're doing important work. But shouldn't schools, we don't even have enough time for the math, the social studies, the language arts, and you want to come in and talk about LGBTQ issues. It, shouldn't we save that space for the parents? Shouldn't, don't we have enough other curriculum items at school? What do you, how do you respond to that or what should be the response? Well, I always say parents are, of course, the primary educator of a kid. Um, so I never go against what a parent, you know, has designated for their child. But oftentimes we have to realize that the safe haven of the school, um, the, it's the reality of the, the, the kids show up to school because it's their safe place. They have their friends. Um, and oftentimes they have a whole different identity at school than they would at home, right? Um, so it's important to be educated on that fact and be able to, to just acknowledge the presence that is there. Because you might be the first adult that this child can confide in. Um, you might be that one adult that might, um, because of that safety, make that child bloom. Um, there's no, there's, I can't put a value on being seen or being felt or feeling secured in this space um, from a person just acknowledging your existence. Um, so just 
you have to just know the value of that in the space. All right, so I got a couple small things before I get to my question. So, so Justin, you probably don't remember this, but um, two small things. Uh, I, I'm the one that sold you the book. Oh, I definitely remember that. Okay, okay, you definitely remember. So that means we definitely both have the same big brother. You know what I'm talking about, right? We got the same big brother. Whose event were you working for that day? Asma? Yes. <laughs> you got the same big brother. Although I'm older than him, that's my big brother. Like, like enough respect to like, like, so like you already know what it is with him. And uh, um, I, I'm just amazed at the work that he does. But yeah, so like, so that I just want you to, I, didn't, I wasn't sure if you caught that, caught that piece. Um, I'm sure he's going to check this show out and it's going to see, give him joy to see both of us on the same show at the same time. So uh, I want to throw those things in there. But in class, so we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in our class and kind of did a case study about the bathroom. It's interesting you brought the bathroom issue first because actually that's actually week nine in my class. So what, what would be your advice for a school? Because schools and districts are tackling a bathroom issue. And it's either, we're not talking about it at all. Here's from what I've seen. And you could definitely clean it up. We're not going to talk about the bathroom issue at all because it's not an issue. It may be two people, so we're not going to do nothing. Or it becomes a finance issue. Finance issue. You want us to build another bathroom? We're not going to do it. Or we're going to take this teacher bathroom or staff, not lounge, but staff bathroom. And some schools have put like all gender, which now you're re-identifying everybody once again. So like, so can, can you walk us through like from, from your vantage, what should a school do? So from what I've seen in events and spaces where they have removed the construct of gender from bathrooms, um, it still seems very smooth. I've never heard of any major issues. I've gone to events where men and women are using the same bathroom um, and people go out of their way to use what is normally colored the bathroom of the opposite sex, just experience it, just experience it. Um, and so it's it's beautiful to be in those spaces, but those are, again, our adult constructs. Um, I, I do wanna push that. I think kids can deal with the same thing. Um, we're just choosing where they wanna go. Um, they know. It doesn't have to, they know. So for most people who live with penises, right? You want to go to a stall that you can go to a urinal when you have to pee, right? That's that's just a known fact. You won't find too many people with vaginas who are going to go into the urinal. Um, and if they feel safe enough to go into that bathroom, because safety is more of an issue um, on, on that spectrum, um, they make the determination on if that bathroom is safer, they go to a different one. If they need to get... Um, specifics for they usually know how to ask for that as well they know that usually people who are making a transition are taught to advocate for that safety if they need it um but oftentimes find comfort in their own bathroom like they'll make that choice naturally right um, because the last thing they want is it to be a big issue the Do last so, kid doesn't want to be the case that right so so let me ask you this so is it disrespectful to say this 
is the I'm just in in correct terminology if I'm off, but this is the LGBTQ bathroom. Like like is that disrespectful? Um, because then now it's just like if I go in there, I gotta be gay. Yeah, um, yeah. And then so now that's outing me. Um right. so what I always so what I'm and I this is something I just recently learned, although I've been doing this work for quite some time. Um, just keeping it men and women is not offensive to even to the trans community, um, right? It's when you start making them disclose that they're trans right. that the issue comes around. Because I was at a conference, right. I, I told Dr. Gernis, I was at a conference, and I'm not gonna give the universities, I'm not gonna out them like that, but um, there was a huge, uh, uh, population and they felt that the bathroom situation wasn't wasn't adequate so the very next year like literally same conference the very next year soon as you walked out the door here was the bathroom and it was a label on it and I'm like oh I don't know I mean like just it just it just felt awkward for everyone but they put it like you had to walk right past it. Like you had, like, here you go. You didn't have it last year. You got it this year. Nobody should have a complaint. And it's just like, uh, it's, it, it has to be an easier way of not re-outing a person. Like like you just said, re-outing, I think. Um, but on their side, it's like, hey, we, we're trying to do what you asked for. So sometimes the context can get can get lost. All right, go ahead, Garner. So, and let's go back to your work. You're, you're in schools, you're sharing valuable information in schools with the organization you're working with. Talk about what if there's no Justin Roby doing that work? What mm. is, talk about what the harm is to student. There's no Justin Roby, there's no outside groups going in. Uh, what would you see the harm to students? What, what kind of harm are you seeing or the research you're seeing if, if, you're not doing that work. Um, it's scary because I've 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 actually been involved in a research study when I left the school. Um, I went from being in a high school to an elementary school, um, and and making that inclusive environment um, was a tangible effect that was brought up in the research study. Um, it couldn't, and no one could quantify why it was missed when I was gone and why that hole wasn't plugged. Um, so it's definitely it. I, I I know there is value in it, um, and I hate to hear the results of it, right? Because the the way you create that sense of belongingness with anyone and to make a group, especially an all boys group, include an LGBT student, um, and then being LGBT leading it, right? How do you do that with a group of at risk boys? Um, so so I got the question. I, I got the question. This this question is even bigger than Garner. So I got the question. And how <laughs> how did you balance? I think I know the answer if you're not in education, but at that time, how did you balance advocacy versus education? Because to me, they're close, but but they can also go against each other. Absolutely. Um it was hard. Because I was always, I've always leaned towards education. Um, my degrees in education, well, at least my my uh, undergraduate degrees in education. Um, but 
you know, I've, so I've always leaned towards education as, as a tool for empowerment, for, for making those decisions and being able to make those, um, what I always call them, the, this, the right to self-determination, right? Um, living, making those best life decisions. Um, but advocacy has always just uh, been at my heart because I always feel like that I have to give voice for the voiceless. Um, and, and there's always value in, in making that space. And I've seen that value um, having, um, again, those cohorts of students who I know without them saying, because I don't need to identify them. I don't need to, to stop and say, hey, we have um, an LGBT member in our group. Uh, so we're going to make sure we treat them right. I can just say, you know, everyone here must feel safe, right? That's, that's our rule. I don't have to call this individual out. Um, and even times I'm able to take that spotlight um, and make me the example so that the education is done on me um, instead of on the, the way to the kid. Um, and I, I get that that's also something unique because of my privilege in that space um, and being able to, to navigate that. Um, but again, it's, it's hard to, to, to know which tool belt to switch from, whether I should educate whether education or advocacy is best in this particular situation. So Justin, with getting personal here with your schooling, what went well and what should never have happened? Do you have any stories or any insights? Um, what never should have happened, uh, I've always had teachers who um, made it a point to bring in their personal values, which I love, I'm always up for a good debate. So it was beautiful when I had teachers who wanted to debate, right? But when it was a point of, we just won't get along because I am who I am and you are who you are, I always thought it was insensible. I thought it was irrational, right? As an educator, I should not feel this way um, for any of my classes. I don't want to resent going to any of my classes. At the same time, I don't, feel, I don't want to push all... Um, um, I don't want someone to feel like I'm pushing my identity on them, forcing them to accept something. So I, I, again, and as an educator, something that should never happen is that a child feels unwelcomed or unsafe in your space. Um, but some of the things that should have, that was just beautiful was those teacher who, who um, just because of who I was, they loved on me more. Um, cause I was able to be myself even more in those classrooms. And because I was able to bring 100% of me into this space, I was able to be more creative, more innovative, be a holistic leader. Um, because not only did I know who I was, this teacher knew who I was, but my whole circle knew who I was. So we were all able to be more present. We were all able to use our whole selves because that's who we were. Um, and because we were accepted and able to flourish, I think we were able to thrive and live those, like, uh, and, and learn those valuable nuggets that was meant for us. And as you see, as you see the country, so we know what, what's happening politically and the division in the country. As you look at the country and the educational landscape, are we getting better where students are feeling safer, more welcome? Are we sitting idle with it? What do you, what's your sense as you glance across the country with, with the topic of uh, LGBTQ and the community? What, what are you seeing? 
so Saturday, I felt a sense of hope that I have not felt in a very long time when it comes to the safety and security for LGBT people. Um, there have been a lot of attacks throughout the last administration, um, whether they've been to health or whether they've been um, to access healthcare, um, just so many different layers. Um, and and when uh, when it was announced that Biden would be the new president, he was the president-elect, uh, there were people coming out with flags on that I know for years had hid that identity in their neighborhoods, mm-hmm. especially people of color. People of color coming out with a trans flag on their back, proud to be who they are just because like, wait a minute, there's a new administration who knows the, the sacristy that comes with that. Um, um, because we know how, how far back we have in history where we have two spirits or we have other ancestral um, uh, forms that identify the trans community, the trans community, and hold them up to a higher regard, um, and, and they and they should. Their lives are valuable, um, especially at the rate in which they're dying currently. Um, so for them to feel emboldened enough to come out just just because of the change of administration, um, just shows what the value of equity does. What having a president who is pro equity, um, how that affects the human the 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 human psyche right i feel safer just because i know this person is pro equality i can go outside with a flag probably identifying my trans experience no matter what my neighbor may have assumed for these last four years right now i'm telling you i am trans i'm a person of trans experience and you're gonna love me know me and i'm here right that's that's there's value in, in feeling that safety so i definitely um I feel um, pro-equity choices will lead to more people feeling safe, more people thriving through Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Reaching that self-actualization and being able to thrive long, healthy lives. All right, so I got I got a direction I wanna, that was a great setup, Dr. Garner, to what I wanted to ask. And it's, it's probably two or three questions that I'm really asking you, uh, Justin. But, okay, so I wanna talk about Black Lives Matter for a minute. So I'm not necessarily gonna go the typical conversation of I'm for Black Lives Matter, I'm against Black Lives, like I'm not going that direction. But I think what gets left behind is, and I want you to touch on this, is that when you look at the people that started Black Lives Matter, think a lot of people don't understand the the connectedness to to all forms of black lives and so people will you know people will see what's in the street right and then what typically happens then is then that will get infiltrated with people looting and doing all kind of stuff and then then that gets separate into a space of Black Lives Matter as a terrorist group. But if you go all the way, unpeel it all the way back, there's something there that should, like, people don't understand. Now, I'm gonna let you take it from there. Uh, so I love that you, that you bring that up. So first I wanna 
talk about how first that movement was started with people who are queer or who identified as LGBTQ, but then are marginalized as it's adopted across the nation, right? So we can talk about the movement here in Milwaukee um, who adopted the Black Lives Matter movement, but didn't adopt those same policies on protecting queer black and brown lives. Um, so there's, there's still that division that we have to figure out within Black Lives Matter, but at the same time, right? The, the value um, that um, Black Lives Matter equals violence, we need to break that. Um, because we, were, we have seen and that it has shown, right? That protests and all of their leaders, right? Those who are organizing, those who are putting the blood, sweat and tears and getting this messaging out and trying to push for those movements and push for those agenda items that will push pro-equity up and down ballots across different lines of government. Um, those are the organizers who are there during, th during the day and leave peacefully throughout the evening, um, right? And when the violence shows up, it's literally new groups. Um, it's different groups of people and, and not saying that they aren't and they are right or wrong and they're and in rioting and, and right that they choose it's just um, to, to it's show not the same group. It's not the same group. We can't make those two the same groups. Um, and it's it, um, it's it's frustrating because it's you you want to explain about their frustrations and and, and kind of I don't want to justify why they are doing that but after years of frustration for some people that's the only thing that they have left is just to act out um and it's not to, for any financial gains or anything because most times it's just the, it's just the getting it out of their system joining in they've seen it happen so it, it it can blur the lines but we have to make sure that it is clear black lives matters never push for people to to riot inside of stores or break down stores or or light fires or any of those things right? They have um, very organized agendas. They have uh, a clear point of what that they want to make, even in most of their speeches. And they have platforms, you can go on their social medias, their websites, usually it's really concise. Even city to city, even the one here in Milwaukee, um, they are very organized. The People's Movement is very organized. They can, as they're going through, they're passing out their list of demands. They're talking about what they want to push. And I think it, it works very beautifully the way they do it. But again, not violent. Um, All right, so black what, lives what, do matter. And right. So one more question, then I'm gonna turn it back over to Gurner. Okay. So I, I, you're the perfect person to ask this question. So in your space, and you can answer this however you wanted to, whether it's on the surface or you can go deeper. When there's a conversation of Black Lives Matter, the organization versus Black Lives Matter, the movement. How does someone in LGBT interpret that conversation? I think that's where the disassociation comes from, right? Because the movement itself didn't all adopt the queer focus that the Black Lives Matter organization did, right? So that was that individualized adaptation as it moved out and became the movement that it was across the nation. Um, so I think that's that's the the frustration of growing a movement um, and having to get it across the nation. You can't mandate like this is how it goes, right? It's based off the people who's in control in each particular city. Um, so it, it it is it is unfortunate. 
And I'm hoping that they continue to push that needle because again, it, if we're continuing to push the narrative that Black Lives Matter, we have to just know that all Black Lives Matter. We, it, it's not a, it's not a, we cannot afford to further divide into a subset, right? We can't care whatever, because um, I always say I'm a Black man. I don't always rush out and say, hey, I'm a Black gay man. Like it's, no, that's not the, the important part of it. That's not the experience that matters. Um, and so I'm I, like the experience that does matter is that I'm a black life and that life matters. Steve, go uh, ahead. That's well stated. We're here with, uh, I just want to add for our viewers, our listeners that we're here with Justin Roby. Justin Roby, uh, we're glad that he's here. We, we know Justin as a university student years later now, making a great impact in the city of Milwaukee and also goes to all our listeners across the nation as far as organizations. We're talking about diversity, inclusion, LGBTQ community. And these are, are really important topics. And what Justin brought up was this whole umbrella of making sure students are safe, making sure there's a welcoming environment for them, so important. I, I think what happens when we're on, this, on these topics, if people don't avoid them, that's probably number one, they try to avoid them. And then if they don't, they go, well, if I disagree with Justin, I have, then I can just back away and say, I don't like that. I'm not gonna be, have, engage at all, or even to the other spectrum of hate, right? So I, I can go, I don't like what Justin's saying. I disagree. I want nothing to do with them. And then it, there's others that even go to the hatred. And I think that's, that's the problem we're having because what I think COVID exposed and a reflection of COVID is the mental health crisis that's happening in a lot of our schools. And I think this is a piece of it. If we're not making sure students are safe or welcome, uh, or we're going as a teacher, this is how it's gonna be with my group of 30, 50, 100 students. They have to think, act, and be like me, little miniature me's. I think that's where we're in education. There's a huge problem and the mental health is just skyrocketing. I think. I think on the other side of COVID and as we go, that's something that we have to address. Any thoughts on that, Justin? Agree, disagree? What are you, what are you viewing that as? So absolutely, the mental health piece is essential. We have watched the, the, the dramatic increase um, in, in suicides um, that has happened um, in the LGBT community um, altogether. Uh, there have been so many. I remember one particular um, young man killed himself because of some bullying that he had on uh, uh, on the internet. It inspired me so much that I, I was at the Boys and Girls Club and I had to create a training. Uh, I said, no kid should ever come through our doors and feel like they have no other safe space in this world to be in. Um, it ha we have to make sure we make a space for every person. Um, and there's little things that we can do in our days to make that thing happen, right? Just acknowledging, like I said earlier, whether it's acknowledging pronouns, whether it's you educate me, right? Because like, and I always want to say these kids know more than we do, right? When it comes to who they are and how they identify, they got to figure it out inside their head and we can't sit here and, and guess. What we can do is tell them that we're willing to learn. Um, we have all the resources of the internet as well. So even if we don't want to put the, the burden of educating like on the kid, I always will say that as well. Like there's work that we can do behind scenes um, to help ease that mental burden. But again, there's nothing like having 
on like a board in your classroom that I'm an ally, right? Just the, that term, just saying I'm an ally somewhere on the, uh, an LGBT student would identify that quicker than any math problem you'll throw at them, quicker than any word you can, like that is the number one word an LGBT kid ally, that's safe space, it's a safe zone, right? Um, and that changes, that changes the narrative. You, you, you now are home base, your safe zone. You're when I got a free moment, if I'm stressing, I can go holler at this teacher and get it off my chest real quick because they're allies, they're safe. Um, can you, can you get a sense back. of if the person doesn't have an identifier that they're an ally, but they are an ally? The reason why I ask that is because like there's nothing official like on my wall or, but people will find me and just spill it. And it, 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 it doesn't, and it's not necessarily strictly like LGBTQ framework, although it does happen, but people just come and just spill. So can you get a sense of- <laughs> I think there are people who are naturally um, those people who, who resonate good energy and people come to talk to, right? Um, so when you have that energy, I think, and you create that safe net, you don't necessarily have to spell it out because okay. your energy spells it out. Your energy screams it, right? If right. you are a person that just makes a person feel safe, they are more inclined to tell you more about them, right? And that's just, that's like our motivational interviewing one-on-one, right? right? If we're just talking and we're talking reflectively and I'm and I'm just hearing what you're saying and I'm reflecting back how you're feeling, um, you're, you'll never be tell me how you're feeling. You'll tell right. it to me in the real um, because you, you know that I'm seeing you um, and that can be said without being said. I always right. like to go above and beyond um, because I think for that quiet kid in the back who doesn't always pay attention, yep. um, words speak louder. Um, that it, it could be that silent, um, it, even if it's a pride flag or whatever, and, and it just asks the question, oh, no, I'm not. I'm just an ally. It, it, there's so many ways around making that statement that makes a safe space for students to be able to open up. And I, the, the value in that, again, goes back. Um, and, I, and I really do feel ashamed because I haven't said this kid's name in about four years, four or five years. But when he when he passed and, and, and the, the loneliness that I thought about him unfailing and feeling, um, like I, I cried. Um, and so I, like the passion, I put in hours in developing that training to just, again, right. make sure we, as an educator, you got to know that the, there's so much power um, in, in preventing suicides just by being an ally, just by by being a loving, open person, um, being that that the, the amazing person God sent you to be. Garner, let me get one more. Let me get one more, Garner. I, I, yes. like, I, like, so this, here's a question, another question I have for you. So Garner and I have talked about this one a lot. And for, for the purpose of the question, I think my experiences may be different from Garner's. And I'm wondering if your experience will be different from mine. So as being an educator, let's consider, like, I know you're in the advocacy, but to me, that's kind of education. It's just not a classroom. So 
Garner and I have had this conversation a number of times where at times, in many cases, I feel that I need to, I feel like there's pressure or that I'm on stage that as a black male educator, I feel at times I have to do more or like it's, 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 it's okay. Um, okay, Eugene. Okay. Like I may have to do more than Gurner to, for like, it's just, it's just part of the game. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's probably a weird question, but I just have to ask. So as, as, a, as a man that identifies as gay, that's black. Do you feel you have to do more than me? And do you feel you have to do more than Gurner to get the same look? Yes. Um, for one, there is no sacred safe space for black gay men. Um, so we talk about empowering black gay men. That conversation didn't start till maybe 2015, 20, okay. maybe 2010. Like that's a relatively new group of people being empowered. Um, there have been lots of conferences. Um, there have been um, there have been ways in which there have been trainings and other, but as far as how are we realistically going to insert them in ways that white men have had those power and privileges, um, that conversation really just started uh, from that capacity building perspective. Um, and as a person who's in one of Wisconsin's newest initiatives, um, so they're closing out um, a, like a five-year capacity building initiative from the state health department for black gay men. Um, and so I, I was a fellow in that program um, and it, that was, it, it, it was impactful. Um, but it, it, just to get into that program, I had to jump through hurdles. I had to, you know, beg, cry and plead into my job who told me I had gotten docked administratively because I wasn't prepared, but wasn't giving me any trainings over the last two years to make sure that I could be ready, you know, by the time, you know, an advancement position was coming up and like, I wanted to be a director. Um, and so, you know, I was always pushing for that training um, to make sure, you know, I'm addressing any of my needs. Uh, I'm getting those met. Um, I'm meeting with the right people because I know at the end of the day, um, it's about who I know. And as a person who doesn't, because I don't have access, because I don't have resources, because I don't have um, all of those things, we don't have the same opportunities. And so when we get those opportunities, is is pull up, show up, or show out, or you go or go home. So you have to, absolutely. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. The 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 pressure is there, and I I can never. Um, how do I say? I can never knock what the, the two of you would have to go through, right, respectively. Um, but the, the magnitude, the additional trauma that comes through surviving, um, trauma of being Black in America, the trauma of being LGBT in America, the trauma of being Black and LGBT in America. Um, you don't have those subgroups. You have continual conversations about the health disparities that you deal with, right? You have a completely avoidable health disease that they continuously have to fight. Um, that we continuously have to fight, rather. Um, but because there's no empowerment within the community, no connection within the community, no way to get these, get Black gay men to, to be in those seats, right? Um, it's been it's been without, right? I'm one of the very few, I, it's, it's surprising. Um, in 2020, I was in a meeting the other day and I was the only man and I was the only Black man. Um, 
there was two other black people they were women um but it's just i was like in spaces of leadership about something that affects mostly black gay men in this state this call is backwards thank you for that response and i absolutely agree i mean that's really the definition of white privilege and you have to deny that there is no uh privilege at all or white privilege um I don't think that's looking at reality of what we're seeing. So I appreciate the question was well stated and I appreciate that response, Justin. I, I do agree with, with your response on that. And I think about how hard it is because you, you brought up 2020 the, where we're at, but you're fighting you know historically communities, movies, all these things that people would do anything but to be identified as right as, as uh, black and gay and, and, and to have that, you know, how people would fight against that. And now we're 2020 and that's why you're, the work you're doing is, is instrumental. And it's really, uh, it's 2020, but it's on the forefront yet. I mean, it really is you're, you're championing things that are on the forefront. You brought up, uh, to start the show, you brought up BIPOC and some of the terms. Do you think that that term is the purpose to say, you know what, just kind of follows with Eugene's question that we don't want everybody, we don't want to get this watered down that everybody's in the, in the party that nobody gets the representation that they, they need. So let's, let's focus on some, uh, let's focus on, on the ones we want. And I think that's kind of what I'm thinking it comes from. Am I wrong on that? Or I feel like they wanna, the term means we want to really go with, with Black, Native American, people of color, and we want to disclude maybe some of the Asian Americans, some of the other ones that we don't feel are struggling, or am I wrong on that? What do you, what do you see with that? I do admit that I, it, it, it may come off that way. I think the two groups that are, are brought out and included first um, are meant because they need the most attention, mm -hmm. right? Those are the ones who are the, the most disenfranchised in America um, and, and, and around the, the world as we think about disenfranchised people, um, especially people of color. Um, so I think it's important that they do get that, that extra attention because those are the ones we need to make sure we're affecting the most. Um, however, um, it is important to acknowledge that there is a whole body of people and that acronym could go on for, forever and ever um, if we wanted to. Right. So we want to make sure we're including everyone. We don't want to ex we're not saying um, they don't have support. Um, but again, when it comes to being marginalized, I always I, and I said BIPOC and it's funny because I, I used to say QT BIPOC because um, we always talk about the queer and the trans community yeah. before we talk about the black and indigenous community, because if we want to talk about who's most marginalized, it's definitely the queer and trans community first. Um, and then the the black and indigenous community as well, and not to mention the intersection. No, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because that's really where my where a question was going is if you use I was thinking if you use BIPOC, does it eliminate you know does it discredit or put again on the back burner the LGBTQ community? So that's interesting. So you would when you'd reference it, you'd put it first if you're going to use the term. BIPOC, is that how you would reference it? Yes, typically, um, when I first put it out there, it's usually QT BIPOC. 
Um, and and I, it's it feels weird saying it out loud because <laughs> mm-hmm. as much as I do this work, I rarely ever have to say. I usually always type it, um, and I always type it out QT BIPOC. Um, just that's it's important that we we have to acknowledge that. Yeah, because so, I think if the the greater that term gets used, I feel if they don't, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be again the LGBTQ community is gonna be thought of maybe six seventh down the down the list if if it gets used without you putting it first. All right, so I have a question. It's in the spirit of what Dr. Gurner asked you, but it's, but it's different. And I hate to have to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it. Because you're best to answer the question. You don't hate to ask it. You're just saying I, I, know, I, I do because at times there's questions you shouldn't have to ask or to clarify. But if not, the wrong narrative comes out. So, Justin, what do you say to, to individuals that pit the quest of, and I know your answer, but I want to, I want to hear you say it. The, the quest of, and they're, I'm saying their statement, the quest of black folks and equality and the, the quest of black folks and LGBTQ, that, that just keeps it separate to where now you're competing against each other. We'll see, that's again, that leads to why I always try to include it um, as a Black Lives issue, all right? If we talk about the queer community um, and who has historically led the queer community, even though the right to even be queer was fought for by Black trans individuals, right? Stonewall Riot was started because Marshall P. Johnson threw that brick. We all knew that story, right? So the first riot was started by a black trans woman, but their rights were never fought for by the white queer community. The leader, the leadership in white queer community, if you look at Milwaukee Pride, you look at most Milwaukee gay establishments, there is the white gay community. Um, and so the plight um, of the black and brown community is wasn't felt um, until, I think there was a shift just here in the city of Milwaukee, I can only speak for, for in this, from my vision um the george floyd incident you can tell there was a visible shift with the whole nation um and so then the then it was like okay we need to what have we done um as people of color um or as the lgbt community for people of color um and so i've seen a, a resounding um it was so beautiful to be a part of that march here in the city um, but outside of that, the movements have never included the lives because if we talk about again if we go back to um, the severity of HIV, um, the white queer community have almost eradicated it. They have been able to get on prep um, to avoid the transmission. They were able to get that into their community effectively. Un- the black community still cannot get that same, that connection, that disconnect, that same, that everything. Because again, the systems weren't meant. Um, they weren't, the, the systems don't include us. Right at the top, so they don't know how to reach us when it comes to the service points. One so, more question. One more question before Garner hops in. So, do you think there's a bigger 
racial strain on white, black, LGBTQ community. And I, and I hate separating, but for the point of the conversation, the point of this question, I'm gonna separate it. Uh, uh, a, a bigger strain between white, black, LGBT, LGBTQ community versus yes. white, black, non-LGBT community, LGBTQ community. Like, is there is there a bigger strain on one side or the other? Um, yes, because <laughs> there is there is again that northern um, niceties that they they offer, right? But you can always tell when you you aren't welcome in the space. Um, just the subtle things you go to pride fest we don't have a stage that plays r&b or hip-hop um the, the, like the the subtle things that they're gonna just, assume you know, like techno that's the only thing that we have and who listens to that um in the black queer community there are some of us and i mean of course when that's what you listen to you going is, is you trying to get big frida up in there like like what what are you trying to get in there <laughs> Big Frida, kudos for knowing knowing her. Yes, I, look, I plan on introducing Dr. Gurner to Big Frida tomorrow. Yes, I look yes. forward to it. Change life, change life. Well, Justin, we're uh, as we as we wrap up here. I want to ask you one more question. We're with Justin Roby, and we're talking about the LGBT community. We're talking about inclusion, diversity. I want you to, to finish up the statement. So I'm gonna give you a statement, just finish up the statement with a few words. So as you think about inclusion, diversity in our schools, I'm gonna start the statement, you finish it. I wish teachers... I wish teachers thought about it ahead of time. Stop waiting to have a student in your classroom that's gonna make you figure these, these things out right? Because it's going to happen. So think about it now. Think about how you want to respond. Practice that response. Think of all the, do the research yourself and empower yourself. Um, because if you really want to be a superhero educator, it means no matter what the scenario is, when this kid comes to you, you're still the superhero in a situation. Um, so don't drop the ball, you know, prepare now. Because um, it's, it's definitely a, a, a situation that you can excel in. It's nothing to be afraid of. I'm not saying you have to have all the right answers, um, but effort counts. Kids don't care if you're perfect. They just remember what you say in the moment. And as long as you love them and love on them, that, that's all they need. Well stated, Justin. I wish principals. I wish principals considered um, diversity inclusion training on a regular basis. Um, although uh, diversity is, is very, is, is tough administratively to implement and training isn't always the most efficient way um, to implement systems like this. Um, continual knowledge, right, of these systems and continual applications of getting used to terms, um, coming up with those policies that can affect those students. So let's talk about the bathroom issue and how we're gonna handle it as the school, right? We, are we going to make this one particular kid fill out, out it every time and we're going to label the bathrooms or are we going to stick it to male female bathrooms or, or men women bathrooms and let students choose as, as long as everyone feels safe we're safe um, having contingency plans in place I think plan all those policies out now 
um, because you will be dealing with it. It's it's an open world now. It's a lot of knowledge out there. I, I wish future teachers. I wish future teachers. Uh, find new and inventive ways to, to communicate their openness to, to students. The, um, there was a chapter in the book where we talked about, um, I'm gonna find it because I took the notes. I love that you're referencing superhero educator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what chapter it was. You cannot go wrong. <laughs> sphere of service when we're talking about iron man that's what it was um and being vulnerable and 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 students not knowing about um you having a bad day um i definitely agree with that 110 percent um but also modeling that to a student letting them know i think is, there's value in that modeling the discomfort so when we talk about diversity and inclusion um it's okay to say I'm not, I don't, I don't know everything. Yeah. It's okay to say I'm a learner in this situation too, right? Great point. It's Great okay point. To, to fumble the ball because not everything is going to be that touchdown pass, right? It's okay to make those slow gains knowing that the end goal is in mind. Um, so don't think you have to be perfect now. It's continuous improvement. Right, just like Iron Man in that particular situation, his arc reactor kept messing up and he kept improving the suit. Improve it. That's a great yes. point because that's what keeps people from even addressing the topic because they're afraid. I don't know enough. I'm going to make these mistakes. So I'm going to ignore it totally like it doesn't exist. That's an excellent point. And I am Iron Man. You look like him. All right. I just wanted to get that out there. And last one. Last one, Justin. I wish Eugene fill in the blank. What? <laughs> um, we'll come back to Hill the Hood when we have one in 2021 and bring more books. We got you. There you go. We got you. That's I'm, a good I'm gonna try to bring Steve with me. <laughs> Sounds like I'm a plan. Bring Steve with me. Wait, wait, Steve. Let me let me let me get some questions in here. So, the 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 biggest LGBTQ issue right now in America is blank. Diversity and inclusion. It, it's the, again, we. Uh, I don't know if you had the chance to see, like Joe Biden had a, 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 a LGBT director who was also um, differently abled. Um, Reggie Greer is a known disability advocate, but he's also queer. Um, so it's amazing to see that type of representation um, because that particular subset of people always feel left out, right? So we still, they, I, it, as a group the queer community still needs to figure there because again they still think of the perfect society and all of that so diversity and inclusion still plagues the lgbtq community um and so we still have learning and growing to do there all right so i got two more questions the next one is kind of similar so you can't say the same thing you just said in five years the biggest lgbtq issue will be blank Policies that I think will need to go down to the elementary level, 
right? Because we're gonna now have to figure it out sooner. Um, is 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 we start understanding more of, of child development and gender identity. Um, I think we're gonna start seeing more research being pushed for understanding it younger to help guide policy and practices in schools and elementary schools. All right, so now the hardest question of the night, and it may be the last question of the night, unless Dr. Garner has something else. I need three songs that need to be in Dr. Garner's playlist. Oh, um, huh. I know the first one, I can't think of the, I know the artist, so now I just gotta find his, his song in my, <laughs> in my list. It's by Jesse Smollett, who's the black queer artist. Um, although he did have some shameful things going on with the, the MAGA hats and all that. And there's, although I, went, I shouldn't say shameful, there's like rumor has it. So I stab Depending on whose so. story you believe. But yeah, 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 that's, that's exactly how I felt. Um, on his album, Some of Music, uh, Hurt People, I think is a, is a track that um, definitely deserves a good listening to. Um, so that's okay. Jesse Smollett, Hurt People. Um, uh, India Ari released a track. Um, uh, that's, that's her. What If by NDRE. Um, that talks, that's got a lot of culture behind it in the background of that song. Um, that's just a, a personal favorite for mine. Um, and Ordinary Ooh. People by John Legend. By John Legend? Yes. Oh, that was, that's too simple. Too simple. Too simple. He probably knows that one. Oh, but you were trying to you? I didn't know. Is that, or were you getting a, I think it was a valid, I like the list. Well, I'm, I'm figuring you know uh, ordinary people already. I wouldn't assume I know I, I know too much about music. I Even guarantee I you know go, that. I do go back to, uh, I am a little old school with some of it. I do go back to Biggie with Just Plain and Dead Wrong and some of those other ones, but oh. that's more my style. The new ones I'm not really up on, but good, good list you gave me. Well, Justin Roby, we're going to end it. And every time we end our, our show, we talk about something that you want to share with our listeners. So we have a national audience. Um, you can share something that you're working on, some product, some, something that you think all our listeners should uh, get connected with. I'll start off, then we'll go to Eugene, and then we'll end with you, Justin. I just want to thank you for uh, being with us, Justin Roby's. He's a great friend of the show. He is a champion uh, for all students he, and, and the community. I mean, a champion for all people. I do consider him a teacher. He's an advocate. He continues to bring energy and really is, uh, he's a great friend of the show because he really has the heart of, of what we really value to say. Uh, I love the community out there. I love the students and I want to make a difference. And you're definitely doing that every day. And I think what's so important about this topic is it, it brings so much, uh, it just heightens everybody's uh, 
that people want to agree, disagree. And, and I think your perspective, Justin, is what people need to hear and say it's a moral thing. It's a human thing. Um, so people can disagree. But then how do we do that without hating? How do we do that with keeping students safe? And, and I think your insights today helped, helped a lot of people with that. Uh, so I'll, I'll start off just saying, I'd love to see uh, everybody connect. I love that Justin referenced the book and keeps it close by. Superhero Educator, How to Teach with Superior Skills and Success by Professor Pitchford and Dr. Gerner. That's an important book that I believe educators and, and non-educators can also utilize and impact people's lives. EP3, you're up. Oh, you're not gonna. Uh, you're not gonna. Uh, what about uh, what you got coming up in a couple of weeks? Yeah, uh, thank you. Also referenced the Center for Urban Education Ministries has Tamika Wesley out of California University talking about culturally relevant teaching resources. So on November eighteenth. And if you connect to the Center for Urban Education Ministries on November 18th, you can see at five o'clock central, she is speaking on culturally relevant teaching resources for, for teachers. EP3, you're up and at them. All right, so uh, Dr. Gerner already mentioned, uh, purchased the book, Superhero Educator uh, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, on, on their dot coms. Also wanna, and this is one, uh, specifically for, for, for Justin, I, I want to I give you another book to, to consider. Um, Dumbo for the Soul, Volume 3. I want you to Get add that it. to your list. Dumbo for the Soul, Volume 3. Yours truly wrote Chapter 53, uh, chapter 53 in the book. But Justin, I think there's a lot of chapters in there that may be a particular interest for you. Um, as you as you grow in your leadership and in, in your space, so I do want to, and that book is also out there on Amazon.com for the listeners out there also. Um, and it, there's short chapters, but each chapter is a different person, and, and the person is telling a story. So, uh, Justin, there's a number of chapters that I think you would like. Um, on that note, oh, shout out! Just shout out to my big bro, Hilda Hood, and. Uh, uh, it's, it's interesting to see how, how how the connections go beyond the block party. So um, with that, I'm turning over to Justin. Justin, while you're promoting or, do, or doing whatever you need to do, also add at the end how people can get in contact with you, whether it's an email or on social media, some type of way. Um, so coming up, I graduate in December. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, I have my master's in organizational leadership and administration. So I'm finishing up my thesis currently. Um, so I'll be over the hump there. I'll be planning to go to Cardinal Street for their doctoral and leadership for the advancement of learning and service next. So just keep me in your thoughts and prayers. Um, I'll be available. Uh, I'll throw on my email. So M-R-J-R-O-B-Y at gmail.com. If you'd like to email me on um, Facebook, Justin Roby. Um, so 
yes, please feel free to inbox me, a friend request me, love to connect with anybody and continue the conversation offline. Also, Diverse and Resilient is the organization. If you have any questions or would like to get any trainings, um, you can reach out to us. We're on Facebook or diverseandresilient.org is our website. Um, you can reach out to us there or give me a call at the office, 414-390-0444. Um, to give us a call for any of those informations or trainings. And thank you to all our listeners. And that is up. We're up for tonight. Thanks again for listening to our Superhero Education Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator. 